strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again! And don't hurt. Is my boomstick! Game over, man! Game over! Welcome to the Bargain Bin. Here's your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandra Lucetic. And today, we are talking about 2010's Frozen. We assume if you're listening to the episode, you've already seen the movie. Are we doing this, this again? This, this is funny, because this is our second time recording this intro, and we messed it up both times. I, I swore so, that after the first time, you would have... That's what I thought you were going to do! Alright, never mind. We're continuing here. Fine. None of us have seen this film before. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. What did you think of Adam Green's Frozen? Oh man, I hated it. All that singing and that stupid little snowman, and I didn't see Adam Green anywhere. Oh god. What? Oh, nothing. Fine. Alright. Yeah, same. Did I watch the right movie? Uh, yeah, 100%. Let it go and stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> I <laughs> completely not related to this movie, but I hated the actual animated Frozen. I didn't torture myself to watch it. I love Disney movies. Been watching them since I was a kid, and I watched this one. I was like, what the hell is the hype all about? I will say this. The 2010 movie, also titled Frozen, way better. That's good to hear. That must mean that the uh, 2013 Frozen sucks. I'm fairly certain using different words, I just said the exact same thing, that it sucked. Yeah, what I was implying, though, is that I would have to suck real bad if this is better, because this is not that good. You didn't like this one? Not really. What was your main issue with it? Okay, well, it's just, in case people haven't actually seen the movie, I, I took the like one-sentence description from IMDb that says, Three skiers stranded on a chairlift are forced to make life-or-death choices, which prove more perilous than staying put and freezing to death, which is also perilous. So whoever wrote that's an idiot. Anyway. Was that a was that a fan one, or was that the official one? That is the top of their page description. Oh, okay. So that's not a fan written. It, it sounds like one, right? It does, because it's lacking any it, sort of detail. But, I mean, when you get down to it, it, it lacks a lot of detail, but pretty much classifies exactly what this movie is. Yep. Right, yep. Go, go ahead, man. What was your main problem with this? Oh, it... Mm. Okay, let me start off with, I love Adam Green. I love him as a writer. I love him as a director. He did... I think he directed Hatchet 1, 2, and 4, Victor Crowley, not the third one. Uh, also, Spiral Digging Up the Marrow, Holliston, which is my favorite TV show of all time. I worked as a producer on Grace. Like, he is a, an amazing talent. And this is his second feature film that he both wrote and directed after the first Hatchet film. But think, it's really, really lacking. I think you forgot one thing. What's that? He's also part of the best part of this movie. He is. He is in one shot with Joe Lynch. Which is my favorite part of the movie. They should, each have one line where they're complaining. Should clarify, not the character Joe Lynch in the movie, but the person Joe Lynch in real life. Oh yeah, and that's another another issue I have with this movie, which originally I thought would be kind of funny, 
And then I looked into it, and he just he tries to create his own Kevin Smith viewisk universe way too hard in one movie. Okay. I'm assuming you're referring to all of the references, because, I mean, good or bad, I was kind of looking forward to each time they would crop up, and I would be like, oh, hey, the mountain's called Holliston, and oh, the character's named Joe Lynch, and... Oh, Dean Schneider or Dean Snyder has a random shout out um, that's uncredited. Um, His name is D. Don't you dare call him Dean. Oh Jesus Christ! I got both the names wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about the three leads before I go into his Viewisk universe. Okay, sure. Um, I, I figured you would get into characters a little bit after, but sure, go ahead. Well, it's more so just the uh, the actors and who they play in the movie. Um, okay. Three. Three main characters, Emma Bell, who plays Parker O'Neill, Sean Ashmore, who plays Joe Lynch, and Kevin, I want to say, Zegers as Dan Walker. Man, um, I just got D. Snyder's name wrong, so if you said his last name wrong, yeah. I don't think it's a big deal. Fair enough. Um, Emma Bell, I didn't really recognize her from anything other than early episodes of The Walking Dead. I guess she was in, also in uh, the reboot of uh, Dallas. She, she's done a fair amount of TV acting, I just didn't recognize her from anything. I'm pretty sure any Canadian recognizes Sean Ashmore. Or any um, X-Men fan. Yeah, as uh, Iceman in the original trilogy, as well as uh, Days of Future Past. Yep. Um, he was in the Animorphs TV show. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Okay. Um, horror film The Ruins, which I thought was really good. The following TV series was good. And also, as one of my... Uh, Surprisingly favorite characters of um, season two of The Boys. He played Lamplighter. Oh, yeah. He was great in it. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin Zegers as uh, Dan Walker. Did a lot of Canadian TV. Um, was in the first Wrong Turn film. I recognized him the most from the uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, he was also in Transamerica. A bunch of episodes of Gossip Girl and Fear of the Walking Dead. Most recently, he's been in Power, which I haven't seen. But I hear that show's awesome. Okay, so that's who they are. They yes. have pretty impressive resumes. Yes. Now now that we've established the actors and their roles into Adam Green's world, which I don't know what you would want to call it, like the Scope universe maybe, named after his production company. But the three lead characters are named after three of his friends. Uh, obviously, Joe Lynch one of his best friends who he does a podcast with the movie crypt one of my favorite podcasts of all time uh spooky dan walker uh kevin uh, zegers character dan uh and then dave parker who uh emma bell's character is named after parker o'neill and then it just gets a way too in-depth with adam's then wife riley vanderbilt playing uh not even a secondary character, a preferred character. Kane Hodder uh, as a character, Cody, who's just trolling the uh, hill to make sure everybody's off after closing. Um, the actor Adam Johnson plays a character named Rifkin, who is named after one of Adam's Green, Adam Green's friends, Adam Rifkin. He's a writer-director. Uh, Will Barrett plays the character Sul Sullivan, and Barrett is Green's director of photography, who he works with all the time. Uh, again, we already mentioned both Adam Green and Joe Lynch in the movie as guys on the chairlift complaining when it breaks down for the first time. We have Cody Snyder 
as a twisted sister fan in the cafeteria of the ski lodge, who is the son of Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister, who yells that the last chair is through over the mic edge at the beginning of the film. Joel David Moore, who is the guy who tells Kane Hodder to turn around and head back down the hill, uh, was the lead in Spiral, directed by Adam Green, and shows up in a bunch of his short films. You already mentioned that the hill's called Mount Holliston, which is named after Holliston, Massachusetts, where Adam Green grew up. And Adam's band, Adam Field, is on the soundtrack for the movie. Wow, that's a lot. It's so self-indulgent. But there's no substance to the movie. I don't understand. I mean, I definitely have my gripes with the movie as well. Um, The three leads are not it. Uh, I think they both, like, they all three did a decent job. But I don't think they had great material to work with. I agree. And little things like the names of the minor characters, who he uses in the roles. I can look past those. I mean, they're kind of nice nods, but they don't get in the way of the plot. Some of them might even be money-saving tactics, right? Because why hire people for such minor roles when you can just get, you know, your director of photography, your buddy, to do a couple of little things? My problem with the movie, just like you, is that nothing happens. No. Like, they spend so much time, probably a good 40 minutes at the beginning, building up the backstory of these three characters, their relationship, how this is supposed to be a ski night, breaking in, how they're too cheap to buy, like, you know, passes for the mountain, which, honestly, the whole movie could have taken place if they just bought passes for the mountain. Like, there's all this buildup. And then when things finally start happening... It's it's over shortly after that. Yeah. Honestly, um, you don't care about these characters until it's already too late. Well, I mean... And I find that with that, it, it you totally lose potential tension by having horrible things happen before you actually give them any major character development. Well, like they make you like the character of Dan after he's already dead. <laughs> it's bad storytelling, man. Yeah, I mean, like let, let's look at the character of Joe Lynch. Sure. At the beginning, I didn't like him. He came off as a bit of a jerk, mm-hmm. right? Like he seemed to be unnecessarily rude to Parker and and just disgruntled, and then. Out of nowhere, he softens up and he becomes like reassuring to her and likable. And the whole thing is what that he like that Dan invited her with them skiing. That's the whole reason that he came off as such a jerk at the beginning. Like, well, you want to talk about the beginning and that dynamic? It, they just seem to bicker the whole time before they even get to the lift. And like, how, how old are they supposed to be? Like, we find out they're like at least Parker's in university. Um, but like Dan's line of, I have a girlfriend now. It's such a very junior high middle school thing to say. It like, there's no weight behind that whatsoever. I think it would have made more sense if they weren't actually the best of friends. Maybe if like Parker and Lynch never really got along or actually really disliked each other to create a bit more tension. Yeah, maybe. Or like say, uh, say Lynch had his 
story of like the girlfriend that cheated on him or something yeah was somehow related to parker like a best friend or a sister and he's harboring a hate towards her because of that relationship you can't have the whole explanation on why he's closed off at that point but you definitely understand why he's being a bit more of a jerk and then the turnaround makes more sense because he realizes okay it's not about her it's about her friend sister whatever and I need to look out for her because this is not her fault. Yep. Right? Like, it just, it felt like, and again, it, like, there was no issue with Emma Bell acting as a sympathetic character. Sean Ashmore, if he was meant to be playing a jerk, did a fine job of it. If he was meant to be sympathetic, he did a good job of that in the second half. I mean, quite frankly, he essentially played two roles. Yep. But the material they were given with was just so flimsy, in my opinion. And like, it's, I, I love single-setting films. They're fine. But it's really difficult to enjoy one when the three people you're stuck with in that single location are completely unlikable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't care for Dan. I didn't care for Joe. I was a little sympathetic to Parker. But in my mind, the whole time, I'm like... Does she not have a brain of her own? If she had this relationship with Joe where they don't get along, why wouldn't she just tell Dan, hey, go skiing. I don't want to hang out with Joe. I'll do my own thing for a weekend. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it just seemed like motivations were really, really lacking and flimsy. And so many parts like, just didn't tie to anything that happens in the movie. Exactly. It was a horrible introduction to those characters. And it's a 2010 movie with a 2001 soundtrack. Like, within the first few minutes of this movie, I had already decided I wasn't really going to pay much attention to it. What, to the soundtrack specifically? No, to the movie. Oh. I mean, I figure you would have to pay attention to it. I forced myself, and I still, like, I watched this movie twice. I forced myself to pay as close attention as I could, and I would randomly just find myself looking at my phone. Dude, I could not watch this movie a second time. Yeah. Although, to be honest, I'm sure we'll get into it. I don't know if you want to do it now. I almost didn't get through it a first time. Well, I mean, that's what the movie's really known for. So, I mean, if you want to talk about it now, I don't see why not. We can always jump back if we need to. Okay. Well, I'm sure anybody who's seen it knows the one scene that probably stands out. Uh Uh-huh. And it is when Dan decides that jumping off of the ski lift, which... I'm not a frequent skier, but are ski lifts often that high from the ground? Uh, depends on the mountain. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Or even, like, enclosed from the wildlife? No, no, never enclosed. They're never enclosed, so so wolves being there is definitely feasible. Yes. Okay, fair, fair. It did, that wasn't my problem with it. My problem with it was when he jumped off and broke both of his legs. My stomach turned in a way that's only happened probably once in the past when it comes to horror movies. Yeah. And I've never, I've never broken a bone before, so it really didn't bug me that much. What really irritated me is why the hell would you jump and keep your legs straight pointing towards the ground? (sighs) I don't know. I really don't. Like at least try and tuck and roll or something. You're on a slant. But I mean, for anybody who's seen the movie, it, that was the point where I I hit pause, and I called Ben, 
<laughs> with the intent to tell him, hey man, I can't do this. I can't watch the rest. I can't watch this movie. I don't know if I'll be able to join you this week in the discussion. Luckily or unluckily, you didn't answer, which caused me to unpause it and get through the rest of the movie, which none of the other parts really bothered me. It was just that one part. And I mean, part of it could be personal trauma. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, the only other time this happened to me was in the movie Hostel. Um, quick spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Hostel. But there is a scene where one of the characters gets her eyeball cut off. Oh, yeah. And that was the only other time that, like, my stomach literally turned watching a movie. And I think it's because when it comes to, like, more supernatural horror there's a suspension of disbelief it's a lot of things that can't plausibly happen but when it's more realistic that's when you get those you know like you see a guy get kicked in the junk right you kind of you feel it there's like a empathetic pain that you feel um when that guy broke his legs i even had phantom pains in my arm and i didn't know if i could keep watching it and i almost feel like Good, bad, whatever your view is on that scene, it is done so well that it almost feels like a shame that it's wasted in this movie. I I don't know if I would actually call that a waste. Um, I mean, it's kind of the crux of the movie. It just really drives home the point of how stuck they really are, where you actually have no chance of getting down easily anyway. Like, you are stuck there. You are going to put your life at risk if you're going to try like any method to leave but i mean like you could break both of your legs not that severely not that graphically on camera and still be in the same situation clearly there was an imp like an attempt made to have that reaction to it well yeah well green's a horror guy right i mean look at the gore from his first film it just made sense fair but that's what i'm just saying it doesn't like it 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 seems to be like the spike that they don't hit again in the movie even after that Dan gets eaten alive, no problem, right? I don't know if Joe, you know, like, cutting his arms was supposed to be anything. I don't know if, like... Think, well, the, the the severity of the broken bone is the turning point of the movie. It's where everything becomes deathly serious. Absolutely. And I, and I think that, that it works perfectly in that shot, or in that, uh, in that scene, sorry. But I in my it, opinion, uh, it's the climax it's of the movie. Point. Um, the rest of the movie fails to live up to anything even remotely to it. I mean, to the point, like, we don't even see Joe die on camera. I don't think you need to. I mean, it was filmed. They did film it, but obviously it either didn't look right or they felt it it was unnecessary. And I don't feel like I really needed to see him get eaten alive. I think just seeing the remains, which were horrid, it was a perfect idea, a perfect decision. I don't know. Because then it's left to the imagination what exactly happened, how it went down. Yeah, and I mean, I, gu- I would guess for the plot, it means that the wolves are full because predators only hunt when they're hungry. Right? Mm-hmm. O- humans are the only ones that don't. I think I think that's actually from a Jurassic Park movie. I don't know. I beg to differ when watching The Ghost in the Darkness. No, what I'm saying is the the there's a conversation about how predators are the only ones that hunt for for 
like when they're hungry and, and humans are the ones that hunt when they're not hungry. That was in a Jurassic Park movie. But, you know, the fact that they were full on a nice Joe, you know, dinner was part of why they let Parker just crawl past there. I don't know, man. I've seen a cat hunt a mouse and just play around with it for a while until it got bored and then just leave it somewhere. All right, man. Can we stick to the point of the movie here? I'm just going, hey, this is your point. <laughs> I mean, can you don't explain? Shit, don't shit on me for your, your plot holes. Okay, cool. But then, I mean, if we go by what you just said with the cat, explain to me the plot hole on why the wolves just let her go. They were eating at the time. Not that they were full. They were just eating. And then a lot of them were just standing there looking. Yeah, and then they started eating. <sighs> I mean... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a minor thing that doesn't really impact the movie. But to me, that's the issue, is that you, you get the scene where the legs break, and then nothing after that lives up to it for the rest of the movie. It's that one big moment in the middle, and then... Cool. The rest of the movie happens. I would not say that's the climax. Maybe maybe it just sticks out the most for you because you've broken bones before. Oh yeah, quite that, that wasn't that was not a turning point for me. That's just like it, it wasn't like the be all and end all of the movie. It's not like the rest of the movie was terrible and it just went downhill after that for me at all. Well, it, it was definitely that, that that showed exactly the peril they were in. That is what they're going to have to deal with if they want to get down is something along those lines or worse, as we've seen. Well, I think that was a, it was a good, a good signifier that we are in a new, a new part of the story, a new section of the tale. Yeah, I mean, the movie changes at that point, and that's why it feels like a tale of two halves is because the first part is just so like long buildup, and yep. then all of a sudden... The second half just happens at a very fast pace, right? And yeah, again, like you, you said, it's not a turning point, but it is a turning point because that is the point where they realize, shit, this is serious. And like even like Parker waking up with her hand on the railing, Joe like cutting his hands on the, on the, I don't know, the what do you call it? Is it, is it just a wire or? Yeah whatever right like none of it's those had any wire. none of those had any sort of impact to me oh they totally did for me okay yeah i don't i think for you it's the breaking of the legs that is the turning point whereas for me it's when he decides he's jumping yeah yeah especially considering like the decision to climb and and try to get to a ladder would have been on the table at the same time. they yep. It's like they didn't even look at that as an option beforehand. Yeah, well, I think also that there's there's a chance that they weren't thinking about it. Obviously, uh, Joe had no idea because Dan had to tell him. But maybe Dan didn't even know until he was down there and looked and saw it. Uh, that, that was my understanding. Uh, but again, you can't, really, you can't really call what a character is going to think or decide upon in a situation like that where they're all panicking. That, that's um, true. Having sound mind is uh, almost a little too, you know. Well, how long would you say they were up there before he jumped? A day? Uh, maybe two. 
Two days. You're telling me in two days they didn't look up? Look up? Yeah, like look up at the wire. Look around. Like all they're doing is sitting there for two days. They didn't look around to take in the environment, survey the situation, look for possibilities. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I can't see it, man. Two days is a long time when you have nothing else to do. Yeah, but you're also super critical and not putting yourself in their shoes. I'd like to think that if I was in their shoes, I would spend two days looking around or thinking of something, not just Yeah, I'm sure they would too, man. I don't know. You have to keep in mind, too, they were also thinking that someone was going to come get them. They were, but, like, seriously, two days... I don't know. It might have been one. Don't hold me. Don't hold me to two. I was guessing. Even one day, multiple hours. It's not like there was a lot of things that they could look at. This isn't like a movie where they're stuck in a room with all kinds of traps. Like there's, a, there's a chairlift and there's snow on. Like, what were they doing? Trying to crack a different puzzle? Or they? I don't to- know. After after one day, if I was like, mm, I could potentially fall to my death. Or I could wait a little bit longer. I, I think I'd probably wait a little bit until the, the idea of waiting just became impossible. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I feel that humans would be a little bit more perceptive than that. They're not, man. <laughs> yeah, some are stupid. I you get live it. in Ontario. You, you should know this. Fine, fine. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. There you're all dropping like flies. <laughs> Just Put come. on a damn mask. Leave me You're alone. talking about people not looking around for ladders. People can't even put on a mask. I mean, this is a this is a this is a difficult situation. They would be panicked. You'd think that some sort of fight or flight instinct would kick in. Maybe. I don't know. If they know they're in that much danger. It's not like they know they're being faced with death. They're thinking if no one comes and get us, that could be a possibility. But that is not the be all end all right now. We know that is not our fate until well, I mean, it becomes their fate, and that's when they start making those choices. I mean, they made a choice when they decided to jump down. I just feel like they didn't look at their other options. But I'm gonna drop it because we're not getting anywhere here. All right. So, what do you think of the humor in this movie? There was humor in the movie. There was weird, dark humor, and I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, because this does not seem like a movie where after things take a dark turn, there should be any humor. But I honestly found the scene where Kane Hodder was backing the troller, like the troller back down the hill mm-hmm. and missing them throw the goggles and ski and snowboard down to try and catch his attention. And he's just looking the wrong way at every time they throw. He stops, looks ahead had just missed the goggles and turns around and starts backing down again, I think was that's Adam Green's humor. So I think the humor was intentional, but it doesn't really fit much like when Parker tries to throw her scarf and it just blows into the trees and gets stuck. I mean, maybe that gets you a light chuckle because but it doesn't, it's a it doesn't, scarf, right? Like I know, but it doesn't fit. See, okay, I mean, other than the scarf, I didn't find, like, the goggles and that. I didn't I didn't even see it as an attempt at humor. I just thought it was like, oh, it, it, you know, this is your one chance and 
it didn't work out for you. Oh, bad luck. Oh, you know, like multiple times in a row though. Like if it happened once, I'd be like, oh, okay, that sucks. But well, when it keeps happening, you're like, mm, you're kind of driving that point home. Okay, I, I will say this though, if that was an attempt at humor, it, it didn't land with me. Like not just that I didn't find it funny. Like I didn't even register it as an attempt at humor. Shocking. Come on, man. <laughs> stop, stop shitting on me here. I'm sorry. I think you're taking your frustrations of the movie out on me. And that's not fair because you picked this movie. Yeah, it'd be different if I picked it and had already seen it. So this is your fault. Fine. Fine. It's somehow my fault because I agreed with this movie. Or that was a terrible idea. Movie. Terrible idea. All right, fine. You know what was great, though? Sure, what? The wolf attack. I thought it was an amazing use of sound. The like wolf attack was really... On Dan? Okay. The, it, mainly for the use of sound. Uh, I mean, visually, yeah. it was okay at the beginning. seemed a little off. But then when you, you start hearing the screaming, uh, you see a wolf go for his face. You hear bones breaking. You hear gurgling. The whole time, him screaming to not let uh, to Joe not to let Parker see, like that was a very intense scene. I thought that was incredibly well done. That was well done. I also really liked how they essentially had like a scout wolf. Yes. So like the first wolf shows up, and then he leaves, and you're like, oh, okay, well maybe he'll have a chance here. Maybe there'll be a window of opportunity. Right, like almost like a little bit of false hope, even though his legs are broken. But mm-hmm. then he shows up with the whole pack, and it's like, oh shit, you're done. I was actually surprised, to be honest. Like I didn't think he was gonna make it, but I was. I don't know. Maybe my expectations were a little bit off, but I honestly thought he might survive a little bit longer after he jumped. Before the wolves got him, just to kind of further trouble the people up there. Not that his death wouldn't have, but you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, I think that would have been a great idea. Like, to, to just, for for him to be bleeding out a little, or, like, hearing his groans or, or cries, like, a little bit longer while he was down there would be a little bit more torture for the two up there. He dies so quickly that... Yeah, it's brutal, but, like, kind of get it over with, right? Yeah, and the thing is, like, he... I didn't give a shit about his character until he fell, or until he jumped and broke his legs. And then I was, like, with him 100%. I really enjoyed the way he was acting. I thought his character all of a sudden had purpose. Um, It really intensified the dread. Uh, Him, helpless on the ground with his girlfriend and his best friend up above staring down while there are wolves around is insanity it was so good well imagine that him killed off so quickly it was almost a waste imagine that feeling of despair though oh yeah like what could you possibly do like you're up in that ski lift you see that he's surrounded by wolves like the psychological aspect of that like even before the wolves attack, you're just like, this is it. Yeah, you can't do anything. No, you you're can't. Not, like, you're not going to jump, because look what happened. Yeah, you, you can't. Like, you could jump down to help him. You're going to break your legs. 
right? I mean, I guess they had the ski poles that they could have thrown down to defend himself, kind of like when Joe called for it. But how successful would he be? Like, he couldn't even move. He's not going to defend himself very well there. Um, But, yeah, yeah, like, that, that was done well. But, I mean, to me, it's tied in the same scene. It happened very quickly. And then we move on to... I don't know. In my opinion, nothing. Maybe you can tell me what might have been still good after that. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. I found it really weird that they started doing all of the the character development after Dan died. Um, like whether Parker and Lynch are blaming each other for Dan's death. Um, there's a really cool back and forth. Um, it was really it was strange because like Parker starts it off. I was 100% on Joe's side. Like, how could she blame him for this? And then after seeing his retort, he just came across as a complete asshole, and I felt bad for both of them. But at the same time, I didn't care about either because they were, I don't know, they just wouldn't accept responsibility. I mean, as little of responsibility as they did have in the act, you shouldn't. I, I understand also it's a horrible position to be in. I've never been in it. I don't know how a person would think. It just seems really strange that both would blame each other. See, and the, the, my my thought on that. Hold on a sec. Let me just figure out my wording here. Mm-hmm. My when when Joe rebuttals, right, and he comes off as like a jerk in that moment, right? I didn't see that as necessarily a jerk type thing. I saw that more as like getting defensive. I mean, he really wasn't to blame, and she was the first one to accuse the other person. You know what I mean? Like maybe he thought it, but he didn't say it. And then, right? Like he's, she's saying like, it's your fault that he's dead. And he just watched his friend die. How is he going to react? He's not going to be nice about it. No, I know. But he, like he took it up to 11. Well, I mean, Hey, if you can't, uh, if you can't take it, don't dish it. Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that was a good, spot of writing for uh for this script what part was a good spot of writing um i would say when they're talking about uh like when uh lynch is talking about when he first met dan as kids in elementary school like that those stories i thought were pretty good actually it really did kind of make me care about the friendships but it also adds to my complaint about how they only waited to do this after a third of the main cast is dead. Um, I would have liked to see Dan's reaction to him telling the story. I think it really could have brought the three together as actual friends and not at odds with each other and then have no resolution to that. Because I think having the one person survive at the end of the movie and having the three of them had like come together as a unit and appreciated each other, it would have been a little bit more impactful than what we were left with. Did you think that anybody was going to survive? No, I didn't. Uh, and honestly, I would have been okay with that. I'm okay with the ending we got. I really am. Um, but I I don't know. I, had they just left, you know, the wolves clean up everybody, I think I think that would have been an okay ending too. I'm, <laughs> maybe I'll sound a little heartless here, but like when Parker was crawling through the snow and saw Joe dead... Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? Let her die. I don't care. Like none of this cast needs to survive. 
I don't, no, I don't. and that's the thing too. They don't need to. It's and that kind of made me think that maybe this isn't more. It's not like a movie to be watched for the plot, but it's more of a, a character piece. We're just supposed to watch how these three people would have grown in a horrible scenario, not necessarily what would come out of the scenario. But I mean, plot, like, plot I wanted to root for them, not as study, characters, but just for their survival in a horror movie. Whether the yeah. main whether the main characters survive or not in any horror movie, part of it for me, at least, is that anticipation, right? Like, will they, won't they survive, right? Like, how, right? Like, it's kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together. If I, yeah. at that point, throw my hands up and say, I don't, I don't give a shit if she lives or dies, then that's me kind of just giving up on, like, like the movie, essentially. I don't care, mm-hmm. right? I don't, right? I should care, right? Like, I should want these characters to get out of this terrible situation. Like, I don't know. Like, you you say, yeah, they did some character development later in the movie when they're, like, Dan's already dead. Maybe that was too late. Maybe at that point it's like, yeah, don't care if these guys make it. But, I mean, I didn't feel that until I saw that Joe was dead. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, I know that Adam Green started writing the script for this movie when he was in, uh, I think, Saskatchewan, as working as a producer on a film called Grace. And one so day wondering... he'll finish it. Well, I'm just wondering <laughs> if maybe, like, that's why we're left with such a bare-bones introduction. I wonder how many rewrites he gave this. Because the more time he had to focus on it, it seems like the better the movie got. But it's it's really inconsistent. I mean, okay, I'm going to I'm going to essentially go back on what I said. There was too much build up at the beginning, right? Mhm. But if there wasn't, what else would this movie be? A short film. Yeah, there's so little that could happen on the ski lift. The ending sequences happen quite rapidly or at least feel rapid after Dan gets killed. Like, if they didn't do that build-up, this would just be a short film. Like, there's no way this is a whole film. And that's what I'm going to kind of cover in my do I recommend or not. Um, I I, I do want to sidestep for one second and just talk very briefly about the music, the score. Sure. I didn't even notice when Haddonfield Adams Band was playing. Um or any of the music at the very beginning, uh, I just I wanted to kind of block it out. But the score that was uh, being used as Lynch makes it to the ladder of the pole was surprisingly beautiful. Like it gave the scene so much more impact, and it sounded like something you would have heard in Old Boy. Like it actually gave weight to him making it to the ladder. Like I was actually rooting for him at that point and they use it again a a little bit later but it's the only time i really found where the music really really helped the movie see none of the music stood out to me i don't remember any of it perhaps it had a subconscious impact on me because like i agree with you like joe making it to the ladder um maybe was the last little bit of hope I had in them surviving, ergo, 
me wanting to see the outcome of this movie. Mm-hmm. And perhaps part of that was lifted by the music in that scene because it, it maybe made me a little bit more hopeful. But like going back at it, I couldn't tell you the first thing about the soundtrack. Like none of it stood out to me. Yeah. You know, like there's been so many times where, you know, you, you see a powerful scene, the right music complements it, and you remember that. You know, we talked yeah. about it in The Stepfather, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Right? Like, the music was done so well, like the whistling, that even for someone like me, who's not the biggest audio guy, brought that to the table when we discussed it. Because mm-hmm. it was done so well that it, it complemented it perfectly. In this movie, I, I had nothing. I, I don't know, like, what I... I don't know what I would have even thought of the music if I did a rewatch paying attention for the music. Yeah. Well, Which the I... score itself did, did quite well. Uh, the soundtrack, not too sure. But uh, sometimes a, a score is most effective when you don't realize you're actually listening to it. It's supposed to just add to a scene, not stand out necessarily. All right, well, let me ask you in a little bit more of a general sense. What might have been the highlight for you? actors scenes but what really what would you say is the biggest takeaway or best takeaway from this movie um the outline the idea uh it's a fantastic idea having um a bit of confrontation between three friends and then have them stuck uh in like a probably the worst case of isolation you could really find hanging 50 feet above a snow covered mountain on a chairlift, um, abandoned, um, probably not knowing at that time, but like, as you're writing it, you know that you're going to bring wolves into the storyline. Um, it's such a, a setup for desperation. Um, uh, like any writer would have a field day with that. And I feel like Adam did, uh, I thought it was a great idea. I really enjoy that. Uh, it just it didn't really play out the way I think he wanted it to. I just, I feel like it needed more. It just, it was so bare bones. And I don't know if you could add more. That's the problem. Why not add a cell phone? Uh... Like, make it that the cell phone gets dropped off of the ski lift. Maybe Parker and Joe are fighting over it prior to the the lift going off and it has something to do with the number that he gets i don't know and then the the the, they already referenced the cell phone though they they referenced its absence but like what if the phone was there to be a hope spot so they drop the phone prior to the lift stopping because i think anybody anybody who watches movies knows that as soon as you bring a cell phone into it it's a red herring and it's not going to actually play out as anything important and then it's almost like you're insulting your viewers i don't know like to me i wouldn't have found that i mean to me if like they were up there and the phone rang and they were like oh shit it's down there somewhere and when dan fell down before he got eaten by wolves he was trying to crawl to it or something right like just to give you more of a potential out to their their them making it yeah right like even if like okay Maybe they weren't fighting over the phone, but maybe Joe's trying to put the number in for Shannon that he got, and he's like, oh, there's no there's no bars, and he's kind of holding it up to try and, you know, catch a signal, and that's when he drops it. 
And then in the mm-hmm. movie, at one point, like they can't see it because it's snow and dark or whatever. And then they hear it, and they're like, "Oh, maybe we can find it." Not that they would be able to answer it from up where they are, but like when Dan falls down, for example, because he's not going to get to it easily with two broken legs, right? Like no. he couldn't even reach forward to tie off the legs, right, without more crunching noise, which <laughs> did not do me any favors. Now, this this is a very good point. Um, I'm going to do something I did not expect to do. Okay. And I'm going to watch this for a third time, um, but with the commentary track on. And I wonder if he actually acknowledges the uh, the lack of technology in the film. Like, I mean, obviously I'm doing these things on the spot. I didn't think about this beforehand, so I couldn't put more thorough thought into it. Obviously not the thought that a writer would put into it when they're creating the movie. But, like, I'm spitballing things that I feel like you could have added more to it to just... You know, like, there's movies that happen in one scene, one location, that just have so many more things going on. Yeah. Also, it was also, like, it was released in 2010, so it was probably filmed 2009, which means you've only had maybe two models of the iPhone released, and those are probably $600, five, $600. So I, I really don't think there was a, as much of a reliance on technology. I don't think everybody was taking their cell phones on a ski hill. But maybe they were. I don't know. I haven't really been snowboarding that much in the last 10, 15 years. It could so, be a uh, Zach Morris brick phone. The fact that you reference he has one means that you could have used one. It could have been an old Samsung flip phone. right? Yeah, like no, you- that's what I'm saying, though. Like it could, It's obviously a choice if they referenced it at all. It was a choice not for them to have it. And I'm curious to know if he talks about that in the commentary. So I will watch this again, and if it comes up, I will let you know, because I'm very curious now, and you have piqued my interest, sir. Okay. Well, And like I said, I mean, you can poke holes in, in my ideas, but they're just rough brainstorm ideas, right? Like, Oh, they're not bad ideas. The, the, I'm just tr- playing devil's advocate, I think. Sorry. Fair, fair. I, th- I think the main point that I'm trying to get across is, though, that you could have put a little bit more substance in it in perhaps the form of a few more hope spots, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Because without them, like, it just feels like so one track, right? Like, they're up there, and, you know, like, it's almost like we only have one option at the moment. Our only thought is Dan jumping off. It's not like we're looking at it and we're like, should we climb it? Should he jump off? Should we try and get the phone? Like, there's one track that they can take, and then he falls and dies. And then it's like we have one track, which is... Joe getting to the ladder like give me like some multiple things going like like balance it out a little bit right like even if it was like where like because because again it's not until Joe has already gotten away on the snowboard which we don't at that time don't know if he survived or not that the ski lift really starts to fall right because it's like the focus always just seems to be on one thing Right. Give well, me give me multiple facets to look at. There is another thing to consider here too. Okay. And that is Adam Green is most noted for his success in horror. Um this is not a horror film. What would it's you... a thriller. It's a thriller for sure. But this is not a horror. Um, you look at his other movies like the Hatchet films, like Digging Up the Marrow, uh, things like that. Like that—that that is horror. 
it does have some thriller elements to it, but he's never relied solely on the thriller genre before, I think, or suspense. Um, and keep in mind, like I said, this is only his second film that he both wrote and directed outside of Coffee and Donuts, but that never could get an actual legit release. Um, and I think, it, I don't know, it was his first foray into something he wasn't completely comfortable with. And I think that shows through. And the ideas that you've already put forth really make sense. And I think anybody who actually had experience in the genre would probably have done what you had said. And maybe you don't do what I say, because maybe your brainstorming idea, you know, oh, this wouldn't work or this wouldn't work. But I feel like if you took the time, you could come up with some more ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. It does. Uh, the tomato meter for Rotten Tomatoes is 63%, audience score of 46. Which is actually kind of high for Rotten Tomatoes because it seems like everybody on Rotten Tomatoes just shits on movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to think that the only thing really holding it up is the actors in this case. Yes. Because as we've discussed, the, the material is not great. But like those few moments of you know enjoyment, like the the Joe and Parker discussion of his past and even like becoming sympathetic of Dan once he jumps, I think is more on the shoulders of the performance of the actors and not the material. Well, I'd say there's also uh, a fourth character, fourth main character that we haven't talked about. And I think that's what actually makes the movie and and is the backbone of the film. And that's uh, Will Barrett as the director of photography. The The movie's beautiful. Like, okay. there are some absolutely amazing shots in that movie. Like, when you see uh, just the shot of um, of Dan's hand poking through the snow post-wolf attack. Um, the framing is amazing. Even, like, humor, like seeing uh, Adam Green and Joe Lynch on the, uh, on the chairlift as well. Like, they're framed beautifully. Um, all the camera work is great. Um, also, being able to mix the, uh, the light and dark. Like, a lot of this movie happens at night but the white is still pretty vibrant. Like the snow really pops. Um, there, there is a making of documentary on, uh, on the DVD, which is really interesting. It shows how they, how they made the movie, how they had to get the cameras up there. It's pretty intense. Um, highly recommend that. It's, it's, I think it's like an eight part miniseries, though. So I'm not going to go into it, but it took a lot of work for them to get the cameras up there. And Adam Green also filmed he directed the movie from the chair in front of them with Will up there with his camera because nobody else was willing to do it. And even Adam Green was terrified of heights. Wow. So there, there, there is some dedication in making the film. Adam, I think was fully on, like 100% behind it. Will Barrett as the DOP did a fantastic job. And I really think had you changed them up, it really wouldn't have been as effective when it was effective. Uh, I think they really kind of gave it some credibility in that sense. Um, that being said, if anybody else actually had directed this movie, I don't think it would have been any better if they used the same script. Well, no, I mean, I don't, it might have been worse if somebody doesn't get the same shots, if you're using the same script. Um, Do you agree with the camera work, though? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you know, that's more your thing, right? Like, I don't notice that stuff as much. Mm-hmm. Um Okay. That's like I, I will say, like it, it did look good, right? I think they did a great job of like 
like you said, using light and dark is probably the one thing that stood out the most to me. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, like when they get the shot of the three of them sitting on this, the chairlift and it is so dark all around them, it kind of adds to that despair, that isolation. Right? Mm-hmm. But... Like you said, if it's the same script, I don't I don't think you can do better. In fact, you might do worse if you don't get as good shots. Yeah. Agreed. As yeah, as usual. We we've argued a lot about this movie, but agreed on a lot as well. Yeah, because you were just giving me a hard time. Well yeah. Am I not allowed to? No, I mean it's just saying is all. Fine. <laughs> be like that. Why don't no, we go sorry, to our buddy. why don't we go to our final thoughts, man? Like we're we're creeping up to an hour here, and I'm no, surprised. Okay. I mean, I'm at the point where I feel like the making of might be more entertaining to me than the movie itself. But uh, it is actually, it really is. Um, so for recommendations, um, do you want to go first or should I? Um, mine will probably be very short and not very detailed. So why don't you go first? Okay. Um. I kind of had a few things written, so I'm just going to kind of fly through that. I'd already mentioned, um, I found it really hard to keep focused on the movie during both viewings. Um, the characters and story are okay for a short film, not a feature. Uh, there's not enough substance or story for a 93-minute movie, which sucks to say because I really do love Adam Green. I, I love his podcast. I love his films. I love his TV work. Um, would I recommend it? Um, maybe to people who like the gray or other kind of wilderness survival films, but overall, it's not a recommend. Okay, I mean, for me, I don't recommend it to anybody. Um, yeah, like there's, if this movie was like a forty-minute short film, I might be able to recommend it, but it's just too much with not enough happening on it. And for that, it's a shame because, like, you know, the few bright spots, like a good cast and, you know, some good knowledge of horror stuff, like with breaking the legs put into maybe the wrong genre, feels like a wasted opportunity to me. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I can't really recommend it. Um, we actually have our first ever feedback on a movie, and it was just a simple comment. It was from Fred Isles on Twitter who, you know, when we asked for feedback, said that he watched this one, um, and he actually really enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, so, that there are a lot of people out there who do really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I'd like to hear more details from those people. Um, not to argue, but just to hear, you know, where, where does it come from? Let me know what it is about the movie that you really enjoyed. Um like Fred, okay. you can always hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter at bsbargainbin.com. Or not .com, just bsbargainbin. <laughs> um, or you can email us at bsbargainbin at gmail.com. No, wait. What is our email address? bsbargainbin at outlook.com. All right, thanks. Yeah, I'm terrible at this, but... <laughs> but yeah, uh, reach out to us on uh, Twitter, send us an email, let us know if you agree with us or not. Uh, if you have any recommendations you want us to cover, please do that too. We'll, we'll try and cover everything we can. Yeah, actually, that is a good thing. If people want to suggest movies for us to check out, we would definitely be open to that as well. But first we need to know what we're watching next week. 
And don't ask me, you reached out earlier and said you were going to pick the next film. So let's hear it. What are we covering next time? Okay, and I almost hate to do this to myself. Mm -hmm. But there's a black cloud following me, I guess we could call it, that I need to get off of my uh, get off of my back. I'm so curious. So next week, so that I never have to think about it again, we will be covering Cabin in the Woods. Yes! Everybody ready? on the GPS is unworthy of global positioning. That's the whole point. Get off the grid, right? Hello? I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. Sign says closed. We're looking for, uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. Not to get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. <laughs> This is awesome. Whoa, no way. <laughs> the lambs have passed to the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Seriously, believe something weird is going on. What is that thing? We have to stay together. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? We gotta get out of here. don't understand why you picked it but good job because we've had this argument so much um there was the twitter poll i wish i looked up who had it um asking if it was a good or bad movie and we're so split on it that i just need to get that discussion over with and get past it perfect so again if you guys have comments or questions about cabin in the woods for next week hit us up at twitter at bs bargain bin or at bs bargain bin at outlook.com until next week, have a good one. All the best, guys.